Dublin's Talking Sport with Ken Doherty and Reggie Corrigan. Sponsored by insuremycars.ie, low-cost car insurance specialists. See how much you can save at insuremycars.ie. On Sunshine 106.8. Sunshine 106.8. Sunshine 106.8 Dublin's Talking Sport Welcome to Dublin's Talking Sports podcast with me, Ken Doherty, and my good friend, Reggie Corrigan. Thanks for tuning in to catch up on the latest GAA, football, rugby, and all the crack. Enjoy the show, and don't forget, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Morning, Rich. How are you? I'm great. We got cut off a little bit short last week, but yeah. hopefully we won't have the same issues this week. Uh, yeah, been a good week, I have to say. Busy week. Um, a little bit sort of, a bit of a more of a wintry feel over here at the moment. It's starting to yeah. feel uh, cooler. And would you believe all the Christmas lights are up everywhere you look as well. So oh, before we know where we are, Ken, it's going to be that time <laughs> of year again. How was your week? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very good, actually. Oh, up in Bolton, uh, the Bolton Stadium. Um, of course, uh, the tournament is going on on ITV for the champion of champions. One of the big tournaments on the circuit, and uh, semi-final today between John Higgins and Mark Allen. Uh, Trump already in the final. He defeated Hawkins last night. Uh, so it's been really good. The crowds have been good, and it's been really great snooker. I mean, Trump is having the season of his life already. He's uh, he's won three tournaments, Reggie. He won three in a row. Lost out in China to McGuire. And they're back in the final of this one already. You know, it's not even. We have the UK Championship and the Scottish still to come. And uh, yeah, he could could have he could by Sunday have won four tournaments before then. It's incredible, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, big big win. Uh, so four nil whitewash was it? No, he was nope. uh, five nil up against five. Uh, Hawkins yesterday. Okay, Hawkins made a rally. You know, came back to, to five three. Oh, but it was the damage was done in those first uh, few frames. But yeah, playing some great stuff. Absolutely brilliant. Okay, um, I, I saw during the week. Uh, well, Ronnie took a bit of a break. He does mm. this sometimes. He was just having a few issues, uh, mental health. He said he just wasn't in the right place. Yeah, he's done that actually quite a few times now this season already. Uh, he's played in the Chinese tournaments. Uh, unfortunately for me, because I've had to play. Him yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, the other tournaments, he, he hasn't played. He didn't play in the. Did he play? He didn't play in Northern Ireland. Uh, I'm not quite sure he played in the English and the, and the champion of champions, which I mm. thought this would be ideal for him, Rez, because it's only one table. He plays two matches, two best, uh, two matches before a semi-final, so it's only four matches really this week to play and possibly win the tournament. So I thought it'd be ideal for him, but uh, now he's pulled out over mental health issues and uh, yeah, he's, he's got some sort of tennis elbow problem as well. So I'm not quite sure what he's going to play in the UK, which is coming up now. For next weekend it starts so uh, mm. that's a huge one he's won it like seven times uh, but that's one of the biggest ones on the calendar but yeah very surprised that he, he pulled out for this one and of course he has that film coming out soon as well doesn't he um, yeah that's going to be really interesting I mean uh, yeah, it should give us some good week. insight into the man himself yeah the premiere is next week yeah. um, in London and he has none other than David Beckham doing a, a Q&A with him before the movie starts, so uh, so it should be very very interesting. A few of the journalists have been sent and have already seen it, said it's very very good because the, the world championship that he won two years ago, he was wearing a mic mm. like for the whole world championship. So That's right. Be, a, so that like, footage is, will be incredible. included in the movie. 
Oh yeah, there's yeah. all going to be footage and footage like um, in the dressing room and is talking with the sports psychologist. Steve Peters, very famous. Yeah. So uh, that that's, all that stuff should be very very interesting. So that comes out on our screens next week. I think it's going to be on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Mm. We're looking forward to that, I have to say, because uh, he's an intriguing character. There's no question about it. I mean, his life, oh, yeah. there's been, a, you know, there's always been a kind of um, the story of where he came from and the background, and he's quite open and, and, and yeah. honest about it. And uh, it's just an intriguing story. It always has been. Yeah, amazing story. I mean, when I came over to England Forest uh, back in, was in 1988, I mean, I uh, practiced at Newfield Snooker Centre. He was just a kid. He used to come into it only 11, 12 years of age. Yeah. And uh, I remember his father used to stand, pick me up or send a taxi for me, you know, to go around and practice with him in his house. He had a little ta- table down the bottom of the garden. And, uh, yeah, we used to practice quite a lot together. So I've known him since then, you know. And, of course, his father, at the age, when he was only 16, his sister was 14. He was sent to prison uh, for, for murder. His, his mother was sent to prison six months later for tax evasion. So both parents are in prison. Mm. And he was only 16 or 15, maybe. So, so you can imagine the sort of the trauma that would have had on, a, on his life, you know, but he's managed to battle through it and yeah. found like running was his therapy uh, later on in life, you know, because he sort of delved into, you know, obituates or whatever and drink and stuff like that, like through his, his early sort of... Uh, 20s, I would say, with them found, found him running a charity, and, and uh, you know, that has kept him going. You know? Yeah, and it seems to be that he's also kind of uh, embraced the the, the whole wellness and mental health awareness type thing as well that yeah. if I'm not feeling good I'm not just going to go through it uh, and we'll see that with other players as well and I suppose it's a funny thing with snooker Ken, you don't kind of associate it with I don't know, maybe because it's such a peaceful sport to watch for us. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. As spectators are watching, it looks like you're just, you know, you're sauntering around the table, nice and relaxed, taking these shots. Yeah. People mightn't get just how much pressure is on there the whole time. Yeah, yeah. But also, the game itself, it's a very lonely game, Reg. You know, it's a very, it's a very solitary game. Yeah. I and mean, a lot of practice will be done alone. You know, you're sitting on your own for, you know, in the chair, you got no one to talk to, you know what I mean? It's, it's a... It can be a very lonely experience. You know, you travel, a lot of players might travel on their own. They can't afford to bring people with them. Yes. You now they, they're sitting in hotels on their own. You know, it's, it, it can be quite a lonely sort of existence, you know. And if you're not doing well, you know, you, you have a lot of time to think on your own, you know. And, and the, the pressure of getting results or, you know, paying bills and stuff like that, it, it can, you know, come overcome you, you know. And you and you're involved with the players' association. Yeah. Do they have supports in there now? Um, oh yes. People yeah, to talk yeah. to. I think that's one of the great things that we've, we've done or introduced. That uh, and there's a lot of players that have availed of it. Believe it or not, you know, uh, not not only players at the top, but players down the bottom as well. They're probably even more need of it and more need of the help, you know. Mm. Uh, but that's one of the one of the great things that we've introduced to them. You know, that if they need help, need therapy, no problem. We'll pay for it, you know. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, your prediction, you think Trump is going to be uh, hard to beat? I think he's going to be hard. I think the match tonight is going to be hard to call. Mark Allen playing John Higgins. John Higgins, he's been searching for a, a tournament win now for quite some time. He, he won the Championship League to get into the event, but that was almost a year ago. Um, so, yeah, he has, he's been consistent. 
but uh, he's played really well this week, so I'm expecting he'll have a really good match with Mark Allen. But I think Trump, of everybody else, is just playing with that air of confidence, you know, with that, those three tournaments already under his belt. He, he's made the same amount of centuries so far this season than he made in the whole of last season, 42 or 43 centuries, I think. And uh, that will tell you how. And if we're only, you know, we're not even half year, half through through the season already. So he's, he could do what he did a few years ago and make over 100 centuries in a season. So that's how well he's playing. So, uh, but you just never know. As long as we see a good final, that, that's the most important. That's what we're looking for, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, moving on a little bit. Uh, it's kind of a bit of a break in the season, um, football-wise. So yeah. it's probably not a bad thing. Uh, United, it, it, it's it's going down that road again, isn't it? It's a bit of a basket case, and there's all the talks with the what's going on with who's in charge, the manager and the players, yeah. and like it's a bit messy, isn't it? It is. Uh, the, the club is in a complete mess, right? It's not yeah. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, with this Jim Ratcliffe now coming in. Uh, Arnold, the CEO, was gone. So that's his first move. Um, it doesn't look... A sort of statement came out through the press yesterday. And I don't know whether it was direct from, from Ratcliffe himself or his associates. But there was, there's not going to be any big spending in January. Uh, any any business that will be done will probably be Sancho on the way out. And there could be one or two more. Martial might be on the way. I don't, I don't know you. But there certainly could be a few, and Sancho is definitely one that's going to be. So there's no business going to be done unless players are going out. So there'll be a few players that will be uh, sort of shaking in their boots up over the Christmas period and maybe into the, until the end of January when the window closes again. But, yeah, I think he's just come in that Ratcliffe. He's going to check the books and check what he has to, what sort of impetus he's going to have on the on the club. But uh, he, needs, he needs radical change there, you know. Mm. It doesn't seem like there's much... You know, it seems like the same old story, though, doesn't it? I mean, somebody else yeah. comes in, they look at the books, they check the books, they're not going to spend money. It just seems like the yeah. same old, same old over and over. Exactly, yeah. I mean, as as, as fans of, of Manchester, you know, it, uh, I think they would have loved to have seen the Glazers just to sell up to that Qatari consortium or whoever it was, the Sheikh, and, and just let him come in and wipe the dead and start making... You know, amends to the to the to the football club. You know, the structure of the ground, the the training ground, the facilities, everything. There's a huge investment needs needs to go into the club. You know, and I don't think Ratcliffe uh, would have had the capacity that the Sheikh would have had, but he might have some sort of capacity. and might be able to do something structurally and internally uh, because the club, as I said, is is in a bit of a mess. Mm, okay, well, well, we'll see how that unfolds. Um, you'll have an interest Kenny, later on, uh, you know, in the Irish match, of course, the taking on the Netherlands, the Euros. We can't do anything other than play for pride, but I suppose that's the biggest thing, isn't it? Is playing for a yeah. bit of pride and, and seeing where we're at, because there's no doubt there's there's pressure on Stephen Kenny's side. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it'd be nice to see a great performance. It's going to be very difficult uh, against the Dutch, of course, but. Yeah. Uh, it'd be nice to see if he was to go that he'd go out in a high just for his own and I'd like to see him I, I mean I've always liked Stephen Kenny he's always been a good guy uh, but he's been in the job now for three years and, and still uh, the results even though he stuck to his philosophy and uh, but he just hasn't got the results you know I feel like the time that he's come in has just been a little bit unlucky he just hasn't had the, enough quality he has quality players coming through but it's not enough, I think, and that's what struggled really. You know. Yeah. Do you think um, 
all the chat that's around of, of there being interest um, from from outside to take on the job? As there is no doubt, everybody seems to think, you know, they'll get to the, yeah. the end of the I period think, and they'll bring someone in. Do you think there genuinely is an interest from outside? Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. I think there's a lot of managers in, in, in England that would, I think, jump at the chance of managing managing Ireland and an international job after years of, of club football. Steve Bruce will be one of them. Mark Hughes probably be another. But there's probably plenty of others around there as well, you know, of quality. Uh, and success, and, and will bring a lot of experience to the to the, uh, the national team. And maybe uh, you know that might work, but there's still you need the quality players to be able to work with. You know, yeah. Sort of come through. It's still going to be it's going to be a tough assignment for anybody. Yeah, no, there's no question about it. I mean, I, I just it's hard to know what type of manager Ireland needs. Um, does it need someone who just plays structure and? Uh, sticks to their guns on that and has set positions for set people to do certain things in a certain way or do you open it up and try and let the players take charge of it and, and bring that young talent that you're talking about through and see if they can create a new style of play for Ireland? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, there's always going to be players coming through, you know. Um, we'd have to recruit some, some players maybe through that. Uh, you know, the granny or grandfather rule, maybe, and try and convince some other players to join. I mean, when you go back a few years, we could have had Grealish and could have had Royce playing for us, you know what I mean? But, but for a few uh, mistakes that we did, probably didn't give them enough international caps very early on. But that was the possibility. And if we had those two, it would make a big difference to our side. So we have to uh, find a few players and, yeah, a bit of experience, I suppose. I suppose that was the one thing that Stephen Kenny didn't have, international experience. But, he had a lot of experience, of course, like, you know, in our own electricity league and very successful at it as well. But yeah, maybe a manager who's got the experience of abroad uh, and bring his own ideas and try and bring a structure and a playing style that we can get results and grind out results. Yeah. Well down in the rankings, we're going to be, any group that we're going to be paired in with are going to have two, maybe three top teams in it, you know, so it's going to be very difficult attention to rugby and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by a good friend of the show Dan Van Zale. Good morning Dan. Dan how are you? Good morning Reggie. Good and yourself? I'm very well thanks Dan and great form and uh, delighted to be chatting to a South African uh, with such knowledge as you because we're having uh, quite a bit of um, the Irish provinces battling against South African sides this weekend so it'll be <laughs> good to get your insight into all of this. I suppose if we start with last night, the Lions uh, going down to Ulster but Ulster had to come uh, from behind to beat uh, the Emirate Lions uh, in Kingspan last night throwing uh, scoring three tries uh, to two in the game um, which was fairly in the balance the whole way through yeah no I think the Lions is actually <clears throat> excuse me probably the surprise package of the South African teams at the moment you know because there's no real names playing but they've they've seememed to have bonded well on on this tour and all, although they haven't won many games you know they go away from this tour with with seven points uh, that I think if you gave them that to them before they came they would be happy with that you know and I think they've they've uh, found a good style of play uh, Nuamba who's normally a nine at ten he's actually directing things quite well for them so no I've been quite impressed with them 
Yeah, and what do you put it down to? I mean, you're you're right in in the sense that the Lions have always been the team that would be um, probably and and with all respect to Connacht in in a similar uh, vein as Connacht, one of the provinces that would be considered the the weaker of the mainstream teams. Yes, no, I agree with that. You know, where traditionally they were the stronghold, you know, going back in the 90s and early 2000s and so on. Mm. Um, but certainly these days they tend to pick a lot of youngsters up that wouldn't have got contracted uh, elsewhere. I think the investment in the in the province is, is a problem. You know, they're probably the, uh, the one with the smallest budget. And then their coaches as well, you know, is not as experienced as other coaches. But I think they 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 come in good and and they starting to to be their own brand rather than try to copycat someone else. Yeah, bring me on to a great point there, uh, which I wanted to to inquire a little bit with you for our listeners because it is still. Even though we're used to seeing the South African teams in this URC now, it is still relatively new. So for our listeners, can you explain uh, how how does it work for the teams from South Africa? Are they centrally funded? Uh, do the union take care of them? Do they focus more on teams like the Stormers and the Bulls, Sharks, etc.? Um, how, how does the whole thing operate? Look, it's it's actually changed quite a bit over the last Two years, uh, the Stormers were nearly bankrupt there two years ago, you know, and they still not bought over. But there's a consortium looking looking to to buy them. The Bulls have, uh, and the Sharks have got the most investment from uh, from people outside of of the union. Okay. Uh, but South African rugby is still you contracted to your province, you know, uh, rather than the union. And, and, and are, are the clubs privately owned then, for, for want of a better way of describing it? No. no. And that's something they want to probably move towards uh, with some investors and so on. But uh, I don't see that, that happening. But the Bulls, have it's no um, shame in saying it, but the Bulls have got the best investment and they currently... You know, they've got the best players on paper actually with the Sharks, you know, but the Mm. Sharks is underperforming, I think, because of other reasons. But the Sharks and the Bulls certainly have the best investment and the Stormers are looking into that. But the Lions, you know, is still funded by by the province solely. Okay, very good. Okay, and that clears things that up for our listeners because it can be quite uh, tricky for us to, uh, to to get it. But there's no doubt about it. Coming into this URC and becoming part um, more more of the Northern Hemisphere rugby sphere, let's say, seems to have done wonders for South African rugby. Ah, uh, look, I think it's a massive change, you know, and you can probably argue the other way about Australian rugby. But since we've joined the URC. It's been a massive change for the players. It's easier to to play here in the sense of travel time and, and all of that. And, you know, easier to support because it's the same time zone, really. So I think in all aspects, it's been really, really positive uh, for South African rugby in that sense. But still, the financial thing is still there. I mean, a guy like Kitsoff coming over to Ulster, he wouldn't come to Ulster if he gets the same money back home you yeah. know so so i think that is still going to happen you're still going to lose your best players um you know to to the provinces overseas and then what they tend to do is when guys are finished or thinking of finishing up in europe that the provinces then 
getting back like a Marcel Kutsia and, and those type of players. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, with that in mind, um, there'd be traditionalists here who would uh, balk at the idea at this, but do you ever see a time where South Africa could come in and replace the likes of an Italy or uh, something like that in the Six Nations? Do you think that that's a reality down the line? I've been asked that quite a few times, but um, and you know my views probably change on that. I'm a traditionalist, so I wouldn't like to see that. Uh, you know, obviously playing in the URC opens up other doors, but I still think the Six Nations should be the Six Nations. You know, mm. um, Italy. What do they offer to the competition? Bar good trip to Rome. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think that takes probably a bit of the gloss away from it, you know. Yeah. Uh, because to have a to play in a competition, everybody must be able to win the competition if it's really effective, you know. And I think that's probably where the talk of South Africa coming into the Six Nations uh could help, you know. Mm. Um but personally, I wouldn't like to see it, no. Yeah, OK. And it's just interesting. I think that the debate will go on for some time. OK, getting back to the current situation, as I said, um, a number of our provinces taking on South African teams. We'll start with that game, the Sharks you mentioned earlier. They're at home to Connacht. Um, this will be a tough one for Connacht, there's no doubt about it, but they'll be looking to try and bring back some of their uh, World Cup stars, the likes of Finley Bielham and that, and uh, to, to get a result. How do you see it going? Look, I actually, funny enough, I actually fancy fancy Connacht. I think they'll be disappointed in how the game ended last week for them. And I think going on tour can, uh, you know, can galvanize teams uh, as well and, and, you know, give uh, time to, to other players to, to shine and so on. But the Sharks has been a real disappointment. And, you know, Everett was the coach that's now with, Edinburgh and they got rid of him and brought in John Plumtree and you know they zero from four and if you look at their team sheet they've actually got probably the strongest team out there you know so so I think the Sharks must come good at some stage I can't see them being at the bottom half of the table the whole time with the quality of players they have Lukayu Am playing his first game back today again but but I think Connacht is in for a real chance. And, and if they want to perform in the back end of, of the tournament, it's these type of games, early doors, that, you know, if you pick up points, it, it can certainly help to that cause. Okay, good. So uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that one. I think, uh, yeah, I, I completely understand what you're saying, but it is tricky going down to South Africa. The, the, like I, I know the time zones are not that different, but it is a lot of travel. Uh, those tours, the little mini tours, um, you know, they can they can be a fantastic bonding experience, but trying to get yeah. results is tricky down there as no, well. And Sharks at I home. I think it would have helped. I think it would have helped if Anson or, or Bundiaki could have could have yeah. been there as well. You yeah. know. I think to give that real impetus in in the uh, Connacht midfield, and um, you know they seem to go with Anran at at fly off at the moment to to establish him there and so on. So, look, I think it's going to be a close one. As I say, Am is coming back, you know, uh, into the play. Um, the pack is is really strong of of the Sharks, or, mm. although they they miss uh, quite a few Springboks as well. So, I think it will be a close one, but. But I think, Connor, if there's one game that they can pull on this tour, I think this could be the one. Oh, very good. Okay. Well, Munster at home uh, to the Stormers. Um, this is going to be a ding dong battle, I think. 
Yes, uh, <laughs> the Stormers have been uh, very disappointing as well, you mm. know, uh, losing in Italy and not playing as well as they can. I think with Malaga. I, I feel they're, they're, they're in a, they're, they need to bounce back though, so I think they're going to surprise a few people. That's what I meant by, by that. You know, I think they're going to put a performance in that maybe we wouldn't be expecting. Well, they have to do something, you know, but yeah. I think they lack the experience and the quality in the pack, you know, with Kitsov not there, Malerba not there, Ori that's gone, uh, you know, a few guys that must come back uh, still from international duty, but but I think they have to find it with, within themselves. Their backline can operate, you know, against anybody and there's some really skillful players there, but I think it's, uh, are their pack going to be good enough uh Bowman Park to, to give them quality ball, um, you know, and if they go behind early, do they have the experience to, to come back? So so I don't think, for me, you know, Munster also disappointing, I think, against Ulster where they had the game in the first half and they would have been disappointed in how it finished. So I think they want to prove something as well. So, so for me, I see a Munster win. Yeah, I would see it too. And of course, they confirmed the signing of uh, Oli Yeager as well on that long-term deal. I think that's a big uh, that's a big signing from the Crusaders, of course. Uh, tight head prop, badly needed, just 28 years uh, old, uh, three-and-a-half-year contract. I mean, it's a fantastic uh, uh, signing for Munster, and they needed that badly, I think. I think we discussed that a few weeks ago. You know, certain of the provinces, which just in the vital positions probably lack that experience or not experience but that quality you know if I say experience I think Archer is breaking Donico Callahan's record today mm. you know if he comes onto the pitch and so on so they've got the experience but the real the real quality to uh, win new championships and, and so on on a consistent basis so and front row is the one area where, where Munster has probably lacked in that so, so for me as well that, that was a very good scoop by them Mm, absolutely okay. Um, there's a lot of excitement around Leinster, still waiting for the arrival of uh, Jacques Um You know, I've read some interviews with players talking about how they're looking forward to a new style of defence, maybe, and new ideas that are coming in. Do you think he's going to make that? Be- like, obviously, he's going to make a difference. I mean, how do you see that difference uh, playing out for for Leinster? Look, you know how people talk about coaches and, you know, some like them and some don't like them and depending your experience with them and so on. But Ninaba as a person is, is a brilliant guy that really invests in, in other people and, and so on, you know. And even when he was back in Munster, Munster staff at the time when I was working for Leinster told me that, uh, you know, they're not sad to see Rossi go, but they're really sad to see Ninaba go. Mm. You know, and that's sort of, and you listen to Flannery and so on as pundits on, on TV and everybody really regard Ninaba, Rossi obviously as as a good rugby brain, but Ninaba as the person behind everything. So so I think in that sense, he'll certainly uh, add massive to, to Leinster. And, and I think probably like any system, you know, six years or seven years uh, where somebody's in charge, I think, you know, he'll be a breath of fresh air for Leinster coming in and there's no doubt that he'll have his different ideas and that's where Leo is brilliant. He always brings those uh, different personalities together um, 
and so on. So, so I think he, he will make a big difference, you know, not, not just in defense, because to be a good defense coach, I believe you've got to be a good attack coach. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I think, you know, I, th- I can understand why Leinster is looking forward um, to have him. And I think the international players as well, you know, that's been coached at, at different levels, they'll also uh, get something new which they can learn from. It's very confusing, uh, Dan, and I, I would be one of the confused people uh, for our listeners. When you watch South Africa, when you watched South Africa in the World Cup or in the other games to that, you mentioned uh, Ninaba and um, he's technically head coach, but then you've got Razzie who's holding up the traffic lights and Razzie who the camera, <laughs> camera comes in on. And for us, you're kind of going, uh, you know, Ninaba it's almost as if he, he doesn't get to run the show at all, uh, that, that it's really just Razzie doing everything. It's, it's so confusing, but, but, but um, is it actually the case that Dinabar is, is running it or was running it? Uh, look, I think they're so comfortable with each other. You know, they've been best friends for years and, you know, been in the army together and, and so on. So I don't think it matters to them who's head coach and who's assistant coach or, or whatever. You know, I think all the planning gets done together. Uh, I think they're comfortable to, to have arguments with, with each other and, and to come up with new ideas. So, no, Ninaba is very much. And I think that's also what will help him and that, that perception that's out there. You know, he's definitely his own man, you mm-hmm. know, so... And I think the the separation between him and Rossi is maybe good for for both, you know. Yeah. Okay. Well, I I often want to to, to know the answer to that question because I think for me you're kind of watching it and you're going, well, there's there's only one person in charge there, and <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> He's ruling the roost, um, and and let's face it, it has worked. They won a World Cup, uh, two oh, World look, Cups. I sorry, played, uh, you know, so it yeah, does work. So, yes, no, and sorry, I played with Rossi and played against him, and and so on, and been on tours with him. You know, he's he's always in control of, yeah. of some situation. You know, so. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, Ninaba, Ninaba definitely his own guy, and and I think you know his work ethic and and all of that, you know, is going to be uh, another step uh, that Leinster will um, will relish, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And then in, in terms of their form at the moment, I mean, they've got the Scarlets, Scarlets again. You know, they're they're they seem to be a mess to me, uh, like a lot of things with Welsh rugby at the moment. Nothing has changed too much there. They've got the Scarlets at home, a game I think they'll cruise through. Uh, but overall, so far, have you been impressed with Leinster? Some younger players coming through, great squad there. Yeah. Um, they're the ones to beat again. Yes, no, I would say so, you know, and I think uh, exciting combination with Osborne and Ringrose in in the centre, you know, but even even the likes of Gunn on the on the bench today, and Ben Murphy started last week at scrum off, and then they've got Gibson Park there as well. So the talent of of youngsters coming through is just through the roof, and don't see that ending pretty soon. And then how do you manage all of that? I think that's Leinster's biggest strength, you know, that every time they go out on the pitch. The guy that's in the jersey try and perform to his best ability because otherwise he might not get another chance. So I'll be very surprised, as we said last week, if Leinster don't win, you know, one or maybe two trophies this year. And I think they'll be really disappointed yeah, yeah. if they don't do that. Um, so, no, for me, 
for me, it's Leinster again. And just back to what we said about South Africa and the Six Nations earlier, you know, I think it's a blessing in disguise that South African sides have come into the URC because of the demise of the Welsh teams. You Absolutely. Know, the Ospreys, Ospreys and Scarlets who played in finals before, you know, if you think if the South African sides weren't in the URC, what sort of competition would we have had, you know? And I think that that rivalry between Ireland and South African provincial sides that's going into the international scene and so on and that can only be good for for Irish rugby. Well, uh, speaking of someone down who played in the very first URC way back when um, and we managed to win it, the Welsh teams were the toughest teams you would ever play. You were looking at Bridge End, Pontypool back in those days. The likes of uh, the Scarlets were amazing teams. You know, your card of the quality Not those easy. Welsh sides had. You played a match against them, you came off battered and bruised and you knew all about it. Even Newport went Dragons as they were back then. You know, they were Newport. Uh, they, they were brilliant teams. Welsh rugby was so good at that time and it's so sad to see it going down the route that it's going at the moment because it has lost so much of what it once was. Yeah, and I think for European rugby, you know, it's it's really important. It's almost like French rugby there quite a number of years ago, you know, mm. but for 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 the competition for European rugby, it's really important that they sort Wales rugby out, you know, because as you say, those four provinces or, or franchises, you know, they're really, really important yeah. to the domestic competition and like anything shows, if you don't have a good domestic competition, your your international teams struggle, you know, so so for, for Irish rugby to keep on top of the world, you know, I, I think it's really important that Wales or, or the Welsh teams, um, you know, get sorted out yeah. because as you say, they, they, have, they have talented players. You know, but it's more in the boardrooms and, and stuff like that that I think they have to sort things out. Time for football now. Delighted to be joined on the line by the one and only Alan Cawley. Good morning, Alan. How are you? I'm good, Reggie. How are you? Ah, wonderful. Absolutely great. Um, thoroughly enjoyable weekend last weekend, uh, the FAI Cup final. What a, what a successful uh campaign that was and uh, event. And indeed, congratulations to St. Pat's for a great result. Yeah, absolutely, Reggie. And um, I suppose the event first, uh, it's its beginning to become one of those kind of must-do things now when it comes to the FEI Cup final day because it's turning into uh, a must-see event almost. And the crowd was just absolutely incredible last week. We spoke about it obviously beforehand, but to see the amount that were there and, and the occasion itself and the sets of colour and the flares and the atmosphere and the whole lot uh, was absolutely fantastic. And I think we need to build on that now. And as I say, it's becoming an annual thing for people and, and, and we're continuously getting the big crowd like that so let's maintain that and if we can grow further then into the crowds on a weekly basis in the league grounds and obviously the only way we do that is with some investment and funding to improve the facilities and get bigger bigger stadiums as well for the teams because like if you look at the two teams that played obviously last week I think they're getting an average of 4,000 every week which mm. is very good but if they had a, a ground to cater for six and 7,000, I'm sure they'd be getting that as well. So that's something we have to improve on. Absolutely. Great event and congratulations all round and commiserations to the Bulls fans, of course, as well. Um, and on the back of that, uh, gather, trying to keep the momentum going, I suppose, the FAA were quick enough to come out and say that they regret the events around the Jonathan Hill payments and uh, that they will conform to the government requirements of 50-50. So there seems to be a lot of work going on to try and tick all of the boxes, let's say, to make sure that that government funding stays in place. Are you satisfied with the response? 
well, it has to stay in place, Reggie. It really does, or we won't have days like we had last week, or we won't have days even for more importantly for young kids and grassroots football and kids growing up and all that kind of stuff. So um, it can't be allowed to fail. And yeah, I think the response was fairly good. Obviously, it's it's the optics of all this, Reggie. That's the problem. Mm. Like the issue itself, I'm not sure. I, I would like to give Jonathan Hill the benefit of the doubt in the sense that it was an oversight on their part, which obviously shouldn't happen, but just more so from the the negative uh, publicity around it and the optics of it. It just looks terrible because straight away people just go, here we go again, the same old story. And I don't think that's the case because I think things have been better since he's come in and, and they've, they've tried to obviously uh, gain some public ground in terms of re- rebuilding that trust that was lost and would take a long time to rebuild. But I think they've been on their way to doing that. Mm. Just those kind of headlines last week obviously caused people straight away to think, here we go again. And I don't think that's the case, to be fair. Now, maybe I'm wrong, I don't know, but I think everyone deserves deserves a chance. And as I said, since he's come in, I think things have gone okay. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, we'll park that there and hope that they do continue to improve. Um, Moving on to the game, uh, obviously, against the Netherlands, um, a tough match, no question about it. Funnily, a text from one of our uh, listeners, actually, Ian in Dublin 7, uh, made a comment, just taking Mooring from from the under-21s for two dead rubber matches is ridiculous. The under-21s badly need him and they can still qualify. Uh, He has no idea how Kenny can justify that. Would you, is that a fair comment? Ian is 100% right, and he must have been watching the under-21s coverage last night, Reggie, because this is the exact point I made, and I put it up on Twitter as well. There's a video if people want to see it, but I think it is ridiculous. I agree wholeheartedly with Ian. And purely from the point of view of the caps will come for Andy Moore, and there is no doubt about that. His talent speaks for itself. Everybody knows he's a real potential up-and-coming star. And even if he's not a star, he's still... still at 30, 40, 50 caps because his talent alone will get him there. But the most pressing thing yesterday was the fact that the under-21s were away. After a really good start in the campaign, picking up three wins, they were away to Norway in a difficult game who's going to be one of the challengers to try and qualify. And then to the game against Italy on Tuesday night, and they're the favourites to qualify. So they are far more important games for Andy Moore right now at this moment in time. And there was no need to bring him to the Netherlands to sit in the stand even if he comes on for two or three minutes, what's the point? And then playing a half-empty stadium on Tuesday night against New Zealand in a, in a dead rubber, Mickey Mouse friendly as well. There is no need for it whatsoever. He should have been with the 21s yesterday to try and get us to qualify for a major tournament, Reggie. Mm. That's something we've never done at our t- under-21 level. And his time at senior level will come. There's no doubt about that. And yeah. I said, it's not, a, it's not a case of this senior game is really important and you need to bring him and he's going to start tonight and make a difference. Yeah. I don't think he'll even come on, so I, I agree wholeheartedly with Ian in that text. Okay, well, there you go, Ian. That's your answer to that. Um, it is uh, dead rubber, as you said. Uh, now there's no chance of, you know, the, there was last glimmer of hopes there for a while, but that's all ended. Uh, th- this is so difficult for the Irish, for the players, isn't it? To, you know, go to the Johan Cruyff Arena, play this match, all of that in the back of their heads, but yet they need to put in a performance. Yeah, of course, Reggie, and I suppose that's where the personal pride kicks in. And regardless of the noise and the situation around the manager, there's a responsibility on yourself that when you go out and take to the pitch, whether it's a club game or whether it's most importantly an international game representing your country, you have to go out and do yourself justice. So I think that will be the case with the players, and they have to do that. 
question then is are they good enough to get a result and that remains to be seen especially based on the results that we've seen so far I think the Netherlands have a few injuries as well which might help and it's not necessarily the Netherlands of old mm. um, and that we should be fearful going out to play against them so hopefully that they can give a good account of themselves put in a good performance but in terms of the bigger picture stuff it just feels like it's the end yeah, it does, yeah. Big blow losing Ogbené as well, of course. Yeah, a massive blow because he's been so good, Reggie. He's been not only, I suppose, uh, since he's gone into the Premier League with Luton, but he's probably been Stephen Kenny's best player over two or three years. He's been absolutely brilliant. And now, now that he is in the Premier League and performing so well at that level, it is a blow because you know yourself, Reggie, with the squad and what we're picking from, we need our best players for every match. And yeah. we are losing the likes of Ogbené. We had Ferguson missing, obviously, the last campaign. We just can't afford to be losing our best players. We need them all on the pitch every game that they go out in. So that is a blow. OK, so if you look at players, um, Ogbené, uh, Bazuno, Nathan Collins, Cullen, Evan Ferguson, there are names there, there are players there that a team can be built around for in a lot of people's opinions. And uh, Stephen Kenny has been given the time, and for, for most people, the time for change is now. Is there, with the likes of those names, is there a good enough core group of players there for a quality manager to be interested to come in, take this job and become the new Irish manager? That can make a difference. Yeah, um, it's a big question, Reggie, and, and obviously it's the debate that's raging all around. And I even heard a couple of people say that they wouldn't get rid of Stephen Kenny yet. And look, that's, that's an angle that people want to maybe look at as well. I don't know, but I just feel after the results and campaign that we've had uh, over two or three years now, it does feel like the end. And I suppose you were asking, will, will a manager be interested? There will always be managers interested in jobs, especially international ones as well. And he will look at the group of players and think Stephen has done a decent job in getting lads 15, 20 caps and betting them in, that if he was to come in now, maybe he can get something extra out of them. And that's what all managers will believe, Reggie. That's why you take a job in the first place. So there will be ones out there. Who they are, I don't know. There's a few names bandied about. Would they inspire you? I'm not so sure. But I think that's where we're at currently in terms of the pay packet of what we can pay as well I don't think we can shop in, in the places where maybe we were before trying to get elite managers in and who says it needs to be an elite manager either it might be some manager come in um, get a tune out of the players and, and all of a sudden things are on the up for us we don't know but it just feels like it's the end for Stephen If you said there that it wasn't the end some people are saying that he could should be still kept what do you think the reaction to that would be amongst the supporters? Yeah, would that I've be accepted? That. I've seen that yesterday. I think it was Niall Quinn that said it. Um, yeah. So he's entitled to his opinion. Would it be accepted? I don't know, Reggie, to be honest with you. I really don't. Like, I've been Stephen's biggest fan, as yeah. you know, and yeah. wanted to see him do well, like we all did. Even I feel as though it's the end. Um, I, I, the, the feeling I get, the general consensus from around as well, I don't know would that be accepted. I think people feel as though it is the end, that he's had his go, he's had his try. He's had ample amount of time. I know there was a real transitional period in trying to bring players through and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, but he's been given all that. And here we are again with only two wins from Gibraltar, albeit a tough group. Yeah. But those two Greece games, we were well beaten in those as well. Thanks for listening to Dublin Stock and Sport on Sunshine 106.8 from myself, Ken and Reggie. Have a good weekend. <laughs>